Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Mr. Jack Bosch. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for coming in, Jack. And, uh, we were supposed to do this in Amelia Island. I know. But, man, it was crazy. You know, running around and... There was like one couch to do it on and that was constantly covered by people so we couldn't we could never find we find could we could never do it but uh here we are in phoenix down here in in your uh, well i'm not gonna say it's your hometown this is where you live right it's my backyard up top your back i live like we're in this beautiful house here and i live literally six minutes six minutes away wow okay so we're neighbors now for, right. for a few days that's right so who are you and where do you come from all right, so I am um, I'm another guy with an accent, right? How about right. That? So uh, that, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm from Germany originally. I came to the United States in 1997. Um, got the college degree. After college degree, got a work permit for a year. Got a job. Through that job, got a green card. But halfway, took me five and a half years. And halfway through that, I realized that that job thing isn't for me. That I mean. No, it's, it's not that it wasn't for me, but I had a 100% travel job. I was, I was gone five days a week. I was in love with this girl who was now my wife for 21 years. Um, I Congratulations, by the way. Thank that, you. That's thank a very you. long time to yeah. be married. Yes, so. particularly by, in spite of being separate really for five, five years, Monday to Friday. And uh, we were just like sick and tired of this life. What were you doing on that job? I was doing a, as, as a business analyst in a software company. Basically, I was meeting with user groups and figuring out how the software should work for them or what the software should do with them. And uh, I have no software background, just as a college student in Germany, I actually ended up working in a similar company as a really student worker, like making photocopies and working my way up there. But I could leverage that enough, I, I did enough experience and understand enough of it that I found one company in the US that gave me a chance and, and hired me. With that, I was able to stay here because back in the college, there were like 10 Germans all 10 wanted to stay and as luck will have it i was the only one to actually get a job everyone else they couldn't get a job needed we needed to go back back to germany and i think a couple afterwards a few years later did end up coming back to the us but i was the only one that got lucky enough to get a job yeah. right out of the get-go and um, yeah i got that job made a normal i think i started at 45 grand a year so it's not a whole lot of money even today i mean even if it's 20 years ago it's still it's probably probably 60, 70k today, or right? So. And um, and I, yeah. So we we, we, we got married. We, we we bought a little starter home, which I still own. Best decision ever. It's like four or five times what it was worth wow. like then, right? And, and right. every time you refinance it, you spend money. Yeah, it's right. like an ATM. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And um, and about halfway through, we were like, you know, this this kind of stinks. I. I I'm leaving in the morning, I work 60, 70 hours a week, I, I come back that tired, I spent the weekend just sleeping, recovering, um, we, we have a car payment, we have a house payment, we have two car payments, a house payment, and these are not fancy cars, it's like, I think my first car was a, like, that I bought after a job was a, to Honda Accord, where it's still the windows that you still open like that. Like with a hand, with a manual windows, because that was the cheapest car I could buy. What year is this? This is like in 97, 98? No, that was now about 2001, 2002. Okay. Like they still had one that, model. Because that, that one, the, the, I used to have a Honda Accord back in 1997 okay. that had the VTEC engine on it. All right. And it was, a, it was, I think it was a V6. 
So I had the top of the line one. Right, well, I had the bottom of the line one. Okay. And, but uh, but I, because I just needed a new car, the other car that I had before was like this old junker that was dying. And um, and we just said like we need to do something. So we, we looked around, came up with all kinds of crazy ideas and ultimately stumbled into real estate. And through our process stumbled into something that almost nobody's doing, which is land flipping. So we flip land like everyone else flips houses. Just that land flipping is simpler because there's no houses involved, basically. Yeah, so a major big difference that I see, right, is that on a house, people have attachment. They have attachment right. to maybe seeing their, their kids grow up, sure. Uh, sure. they got married there, or they got divorced there, or their parents live, whatever. Like, there's always this emotional attachment. With land, it's like... It's not, because most people don't live on it. Well, almost ever nobody lives on it. Most people haven't really even used it at all. They haven't done anything with it. They haven't done, like there's, there's kind of, sometimes you come across somebody that had his land for 40 years and it's not in, a lot in the city, but it's like 20 acres, right. two hours outside of town in this beautiful area of rolling hills and pine trees and lakes and creeks and things. And, and they did use it. They went out with the kids for the weekends, things like that. But even that, the kids, they're like, I don't want the land. I'm not an outdoors person. The parents are like, well, that time has passed. We don't really want to go out there anymore. And they just want to get rid of it. And that really comes to the point. There's less attachment. They don't care about the properties anymore because that's like one of a thousand, that example that I just gave. 999 out of a thousand, haven't seen the land in 10 years, have never done anything on the land just pay property taxes on the land, own the land free and clear, and they're, they're not even motivated sellers because uh, they, they are not in a urge to sell, yeah. they don't have to sell the properties free and clear, but they're just sick and tired of paying the property taxes, so they're really- And upkeeping the grass, exactly, and the right. and those kind of things. Exactly, and taking care of that kind of stuff, and getting the violation letters from the city, and they just want out. Like, they have the garage sale mentality around the lines of, uh, yeah, I don't care, I don't want it. Like some people you go to a garage sale, and I don't do it much, but some people in a garage sale, they give you a thousand dollar bike for a hundred bucks. In Why? My opinion, because the message is get the garage cleaned up, right? And in some cases it's get the estate cleaned up, get get these things off the book, the kids don't want it, particularly often also about a third of the deals we get from heirs. So the parents have passed away, the kids have a property, and do want do kids want a piece of land? Do they now have to pay property taxes and maintain them? No, they want they want the money. They want the money. Yeah, and they, they, don't, they don't have the vision of the person that purchased the land at the beginning. Exactly. Right? Yes. Uh, in very few times you hear somebody saying, well, my daddy wanted to build this, so I'm going to go ahead and build that. Right. Exactly. No. Not, not, not happening. Right. So it's funny you say that because um, <laughs> my dad owns a piece of land in, in uh, Florida, and mm -hmm. he's owned that thing for years. I don't know how long. It's, it's probably been 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't gone up in value that much, no. uh, you yeah. know, especially in the fort. I think it's in Cape Coral, Florida. Okay. And I actually told him one day, I said, "Why don't you give it to me? I'll do something with it, you know, because I, I'm in real estate." He's like, "Well, uh, if you want it, uh, maybe we can talk about it." Uh, and I was like, "No, I just I'll take it. I'll keep paying taxes." I think he pays 450 bucks a year or something like that. It's nothing. Um, but lately, I guess that, that land has been going up in value because of, of the whole inflation that we have. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm going to go see him in a couple of weeks and I'm just like, hmm, maybe it's time for you to either sell it or build on it, do, but do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
But most people are not willing to do that. And, and even, even if they had a vision for it, time and circumstances change. Yes. So they had the vision of building on it down the road um, and, and built a beautiful home because the, because the house is close in Florida, close to the water, close to the beach, close to the things. And may, they may be, I don't know where your dad lives, but uh, maybe they, they, they live in... He's in, in Miami, so he's not like far from me. He's like two yeah. hours away from it. Uh, yeah, so, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so in that case, but some, many times our sellers are like in Michigan. So they bought this property in Texas and Arizona and California and, and Florida and wherever it is in North Carolina in order to move there later on and build that and build that beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood to then retire there. But again, life and circumstances change here. Perhaps those babies are born, those grandchildren are born. They are they and they don't want to move away anymore, right? right. You know, they have that tendency to do that to people apparently. I'm not yet a dad, yeah. my daughter's fourteen, so I hopefully have many years to go before she's a right. sure she has babies. But uh, but I hear that the moment the babies are born the grandparents go go crazy, like my parents went crazy when my daughter went born was born and uh, and they don't want to move away anymore. Right? So so now they're living up there and the property's down there, they have no more need for it. Or a spouse passes away, so there's a million reasons why they give those up. Uh, by the way, there's just why they just don't want them anymore. So let's take it. Let's take it back to uh, when you first started. Sure. Uh, bumping into into real estate. Uh, how do you educate yourself about land? Like, okay, so when we first started, we did what everyone we told them. We watched an infomercial in the middle of the night, and uh, and and they told us about house flipping that you can make money with it. And we're like, oh my God, well, that could be interesting. So at the same time, we also, just before we read Richard Portat, like so many of us, right? And, um, and then a coincidence, Michelle, my wife, she went to college, did a master's here in Phoenix. That's why we ended up living here. And uh, she did, uh, and a colleague of hers, like a stu another student, was hired by Robert Kiyosaki to create a marketing plan for the Richard Portat book. Because nobody knew Robert Kiyosaki at that point of time, nobody knew what he was doing. Uh, and so he wrote the book and the book just wasn't selling. So they put the marketing plan together to sell that thing. And one time over dinner at one of these guys' place, the guy's like, this friend of hers tells her like, hey, Jack, you should read this. So I read the book and I was like, oh my God. And then my, my, my mind shift changed from employee to wanting to do something. Like for right. so many of us, like it's been a change. It's a book that made a lot of difference. Yeah, you understood the quadrants. Yes, the quadrants, exactly yeah. right. So then we started looking for, for real estate and then we, 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 we just, we bought some books first of all, right? And then we went into, um, and then we, we found a triplex that we wanted to do. We actually successfully put in our, we did driving for dollars. We drove around to the south border up house and we figured out in the county records who owns it and we called the guy and the guy's like, yeah, I sell it to you for 46 grand. So 46 grand, um, but it was in a bad area and this thing needed everything possible. Right. The, full in, rehab. Full rehab, including electric foundation, roof, everything. And the tenants. <laughs> right. So, so, however, the problem was, coming from Germany, I knew absolutely nothing about real estate. Zero. So I didn't know if it cost $1,000 or $10,000 to fix, fix a bathroom or a kitchen or if it cost $5,000 or $50,000 to replace a roof. So we estimated everything completely wrong, um, put it up on the market, got almost 30 people calling us and nobody picked up the deal because they obviously understood the numbers. Right. Uh, they were fixing flippers and we were trying to be wholesalers and we just couldn't do it. So we basically canceled that deal and, and backed out and 
and all is good. And then we get looking, and then another part of Robert Kiyosaki's book talks about um, talks about tax lien investing. Somewhere around two thirds of the book, he talks talks to his neighbor, and he talks about that he's making sixteen percent on tax lien certificates. And we're like, I didn't even heard that thing. So we started digging into that, started doing some research on that, and then we ended up buying some tax lien certificates. And they were redeemed three weeks later. We made three dollars and eighty-two cents. We're like, okay, that's not the way to grow to right. grow wealthy either. So then we did the next step, but but we learned one thing. And during that tax lien process, what we what we learned was that there is indeed people out there who are willing to let go of their properties and let them go to a tax lien tax deed foreclosure. Right. And that kind of blew our minds. Like we were like, oh my God, what, is, what the heck is going on here? Why, why would they do that? Like, but I learned a long time ago, I need to stop asking why and just take the deal, right? Yes. But, um, but back at the time, we were like, why would they do that? What's going on? So we, we dug into that, and then we looked into California, and California realized has tax deed auctions. So tax deed auctions, they sell the actual property. So Michelle, actually, we, we took some airline miles from my, all my travel uh, and some hotel points and, 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 and thing, and, and got her a rental car and a flight and a thing because I was traveling. She was went out to California with all our money, which was like $5,000. Right. And she bid, she went to an auction where there's three properties. There was like 100 properties for sale. Three of them had a minimum bid of $1,000, and all three of them were land. So we know nothing about land, but we figured, hey, it's about the only thing you could get. Yeah, it's like, how cheap can you get it, right? And we figured out these are nice lots. Like, they should be worth perhaps 20, 30 grand based on just what houses in the area are worth and what other sales. So, well, guess what? Within a matter of seconds, these properties went from 1,000 to like 15, $20,000. And wow. she came back with her tail hit between her legs, came back and like, well, we failed again. But again, we realized something. We realized that this is indeed happening. That people are indeed letting go of these properties and get nothing in return. Yes. So then we had the next thought, and that thought was like, well, there's a list of 300 people whose property's coming up for auction. How about we figure out who these, everyone, what, what everyone does is just attends these auctions. How about we get there and we figure out who these people's mailing addresses are, and that was before all these softwares and tools and databases existed. So uh, we literally, I took a Friday off and went down to the courthouse and went like well, uh, record by record by record and by hand, uh, like wrote skip written, trace. skip trace and yeah. written down all these pro property addresses. Like people were still on dial-up internet at that time, right? Wow. It still sounded like AOL. Oh, well, you got mail kind of thing, right? Wow. This is 20 years ago, and we literally got all these addresses and then sent them letters. And we got a few a few messages back, and we got and we got a ton of answers back, and every single one of them we got back was an actually landowner, not a single householder sold this back. And out of that, we got a deal for 400 bucks. Which was an acre in a rural town outside of uh, outside of, uh, of Phoenix, Arizona, and we 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 sold that property that same day to the neighbor across the street for four thousand dollars. Wow! We we're like, okay, that's four grand. I mean, thirty-six hundred dollars profit, ten x profits, and it's like, okay, this, there's something to here. Two weeks later, we got a forty-acre parcel for five hundred bucks, sold it for ten thousand dollars, and what we realized is that we actually didn't even need to know much about real estate because all we needed to do is figure out how we can, all, all we needed to know is how to value a property. Right. Because then we got a $8,000 property for 400 bucks, we got a $20,000 property for 500 bucks, and now, nowadays you pay a little bit more for that, we typically pay about 10 to 45 cents on the dollar, 
But still, when you get, let's say, an average deal for 25, 30 cents on a dollar, there's nothing on it. You don't have to estimate repairs. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to get building permits. You don't have to work with zonings. You don't have to work with contractors. You don't have to. You just put it on a contract and flip it. And on top of it, then with technology, we realized after a few years that we don't even have to go see the properties because now Google Maps, Google Earth counties have fantastic satellite pictures. Yeah. There's nothing you. So so now this is 100% virtual real estate. And the last thing we realized is that. These tax delinquent properties only make about 5% of all the deals you can get. Right. 95% are not in delinquent. So now we don't even go at all after tax delinquents anymore. We just go after land and we do, we have done 4,500 deals from the comfort of our home. Uh, I haven't seen a property, piece of land myself that we bought and sold in 16 years. Wow, 16 years. So you started doing virtual wholesaling because you were wholesaling these this lots, right? Right. Um, 16 years ago. The beginning we sold them on eBay, a lot of them on eBay. Oh, wow. You can still sell them on eBay, but on eBay there's so many bad, bad bidders yeah. that you have to typically put up an auction for seven days and you have to know that you have to relist this property five to six times before you have a real buyer buying it. But it's still not bad, five to six times uh, seven is 35 to 42 days. So you have still have your property sold in 35 to 42 days with a, a, a on, on eBay. And, but eBay also works particularly well uh, by using, uh, selling, selling. that's another way we discovered to make, uh, to even triple the profits on these properties by, by offering them with seller financing. So right. we sell a lot of properties with owner carried back seller financing. And uh, not even wraps, because if you get them for two grand, you sell them for 20, and you get a $4,000 down payment, you, the down yeah, payment you, is more than what you pay for you the property. You already bought it and, and collected a down payment. Wow, yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, we got, uh, we've done quite a few land deals this year. Not so much before, because I never target land. Nobody did. Nobody bought It's not, not on every, anyone's radar. Only the market conditions right now have made, uh, where the market is hot, have made land attractive for more of the, of the house flippers. Yes, and, and but one thing that we're, we're doing is we're, we're targeting, or we get the land, but it, as opposed to set, selling it to a developer, we go to the end buyer that's gonna go build a housing. Okay, that's even better, because they pay more for it. They pay more for it. Yeah. But we still give it to them at a discount. Right. That way, they're getting a steal. Like, yeah. let's say we just sold, um, I, I can't remember the name of the town, but it was a couple of acres, and it was two sisters that bought it because they want to live right next to each other. The ARV or the, 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 the really market value of the land, I'm not call it ARV, market value was like 75000 or something mm -hmm. like that. We picked it up for like thirty, mm -hmm. and we sold it to them for like 50-something. Right. Now, and they had a steal because they got $25,000 worth of equity. That's exactly what we've been doing for 20 years. Yeah. We got a good chunk on, on, on our side because it was, it was a wholesale deal. Uh, and then the the, the the seller was happy because he wasn't he didn't have to deal with them anymore. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, did you go see the property? Never. But actually, uh, this was actually a JV deal. So it was another wholesaler that brought us the deal. Right. And I looked at it. I was like, Yeah, this I can sell these. No problem. So, uh, yeah, most of the land deals we do, we just picked up another one on Friday actually in Houston in a great location for uh, thirty thousand. The property value is probably somewhere around 60 or 70. We're gonna wholesale it for maybe 45. Yeah. 
So, so we do the 70% deal still to where exactly, we need equity. That's exactly what we do. That's exactly our exact model. We just do it in volume in three different markets. So one is in the infant lots that you do a lot of. Right. Uh, the second kind of property is actually properties more in the, in the rural area. Uh, no, properties in the outskirts of town, like a, a path of growth, as it's called. Right. And, um, and the third one is larger acreage, more in the rural areas, more like a mini ranch. There's like, I, when, I, when I do presentations or when I when we have our own events, it's on um, educated people on this, we, I usually ask the room, uh, ask a question in the room, uh, who would like to have their own, your own mini ranch? And like half of the hands go up. So there's a lot of people. I'm not so much the outdoors person. I just live the land. I like to be indoors. I got allergies up there, right? So, but, uh, but, um, but don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind having a mini ranch now that you put it that way, because why not go with your kids for right. a weekend? And, exactly right. You know. So, and then, and some people build something on there. Some people just bring an RV on there. Some people bring their five best friends with their RVs and they're positioning them on there. We have 20 acres. There's plenty of space. Like an acre is the size of a football field. So, right. so you got 20. You can put 20 football fields together. Right. So, yeah. plenty of space for for five RVs and bonfires and and and, and, and have fun out there. And a lot of people. Uh, so these are three properties, uh, kind of properties that we focus on because. They have a built-in humongous buyer base. So your approach is kind of logically from the back end. We don't just buy any kind of crap land that you then hope to sell to someone. If you focus on these three kind of properties, infilots, properties right in the path of growth, and uh, these kind of attractive mini ranches, then uh, then you don't sit on these properties for long at all, and, uh, and, and they fly off the shelves. Wow. All right, so now you've done over 4,500 deals. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of deals. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it took you 20 years to do that. Right? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, because people say, oh, 4,500 deals. Well, yeah, it's 20 years. Right. It's, it's very doable. Like, you're looking at, uh, what, an average of a like couple 200, hundred? 250 deals a year. 250 deals yeah, a year. We have some years where we've done less, where we've taken like, a break when our daughter was really was really small. Uh, we've perhaps only done some years where we did 50 deals or so. And, uh, and then we have other years where we did 800 deals. So, wow. And, and when is it that you decided to go and say, yeah, it's working for me, now I want to go help other people uh, in, in yeah, so, the education route? Sure. We did that 2009, actually. Uh, actually, 2008, I'm sorry. Right when the market kind of crashed. Because what we realized is that this model continued working. Because we are in the we're in the end buyer business, so we 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 don't sell to builders. Builders in 2008 stopped buying. They disappeared. Right? They disappeared. Uh, end buyers didn't stop buying. Like even in the big recession, 90% of people still had a job, right? And those 90% of the people, they are they were still wanting to have a place outside. Right. Uh, they were still looking for for a place to retire. They're still looking for a place uh, that uh, over time uh, grows in value and with market prices down. Some of them even came into the market and bought more because if they have gone through a couple of recession, you know what happens after a recession? The market prices go back up again, right? So, so, so therefore, a recession is actually the perfect time to buy stuff. Uh, so therefore, because yeah, you're going to ride that wave up, you're going to ride that wave up, and there's there's a lot of people understand that. So uh, so what happens is that we just continue doing deals. The moment we realize though that we should teach that is when we really created a replicatable model, because before the recession, 2000, like particularly five, six, and seven, we actually did big in-person land auctions. So we would buy 200 properties in a, a, a quarter. 
200 properties a quarter, and then we would take those 200 properties and, se and sell them all in one day at a big land auction. So we would rent a big convention center, we would put advertising in newspaper, television, radio everywhere, and then we would, um, and then we would get 800 people into the room, another online bidding service that also, did. and then we would sell like, sell these 200 properties one day and make like $3 million. Right, good day. Right? That's a good day's worth. Right. So and then, but when we, but that is not a replicatable model. Right. right? Nobody can really. Yeah. Most people can say like, yeah, right, sure, let's be put in. Uh, but we we worked this up. The first deal, the first year, we did sixty three deals while having full time jobs and doing this part time. Right. So just to set this an expectation. Like, right. We had full time jobs, and the reason we picked land flipping is because I could not be there. I was hundred percent travel. I could not be there to supervise a crew. Right. I could not be there to meet with a with a city inspector. I could not be there for really anything. Plus, I had no idea how to even build this up. Plus, I had no idea about how to even estimate repairs. Right. So we picked something that we didn't have to be there for. We didn't have any maintenance on it. Something we could do 100% remotely. Something that we could, uh, yeah, we could do 100% virtual. And that's how we were able to to do 50, 63 deals in the first really 10 months or 12. No, in the full year, in the full year, 12 months while having full-time jobs and working 60 hours a week. Sec then we quit our job because finally the, green, the American green card arrived. Right? So when the green card arrived and I, I was a permanent resident in the United States, that's when I then, we, we quit, both Michelle and I quit, um, and then we went full-time. full, full time. It took us then another six months, we were millionaires. And at that point of time, another year, we did I think 150 deals in that second year. And in the third year or fourth, third year, we did like 300 deals, and at that point of time, we were really happy. But but we're like we're looking for a way to because this is this has unlimited potential, unlimited scalability, unlimited, unlimited scalability. So we're like, what do we do next? And that's when we came up with the auction concept. So only for a couple of years, we did about three auctions a year. We did we do 200, 250 properties a quarter, and then sell them in one day. And by, by, by that time, we had built up the cash and the cash reserves in order to do that, right? Wow. So, but we didn't, then because we came here with two suitcases, a bunch of student debt, and, and that's it. I only had enough money for one, or actually for one semester in college. And a German accent. And a German accent. <laughs> right. I only had one, enough money for, for one, for half a year of college, and then I, I needed to ask my brother and my parents for a loan. Luckily, I got a job at college that actually ended up paying my tuition, so I got lucky again. Um, but, but so we did these auctions and then in 2008 happened these auctions no longer worked. So we needed to shift our gears because people wouldn't just show, mark, like when the market crashed at that point of time, people went away from real estate, nobody showed up in the auction. The last auction we had, they had 270 people show up, when the first one we had 800 show up, right? So the numbers, we would still make money on those deals, but the margins were really small at that point of time, very thin. So then what we did is we said like, well, how else can we sell them? By now, though, people were not on dial-up internet anymore. They were not on AOL, like, yeah. not, not on that anymore, right? They were now on high-speed internet. Yeah. They were now, there's all these platforms that popped up, and we could go sell these properties on Facebook, on, on, on Zillow, on, on all these different on Craigslist and all the official plat platforms. And now, instead of selling 200 properties in one day, once a quarter, we could sell a couple of properties a day, Every day yeah. and, and, and that became scalable because that's something that you can teach somebody else that they can do from the comfort of their home without needing 200 grand to invest. Of course. Right? And, and at that moment, the market crashed, people like blood on the street, people losing everything, and we're like, what's going on? 
Well, you're not losing anything. Yeah, we're, actually, we're doing better than ever. We're doing ever better than ever. This is we can do actually the same kind of volume with a with a quarter of our team or with a tenth of our team because we don't need all these marketing people and all this kind of thing anymore. So we downsized, but we didn't stop. We just continued, and then we realized, man, we need to help the market out here. This is a solution that has no competition, and even today, there's there might be two thousand people in the U.S. doing this, but there's over three thousand counties. So there's, there's more counties than people doing this in the US. So really, there's probably more people here in the Phoenix area that do house flipping than there's land flippers in the entire United States. 100%. So, so there's still no competition. And so since then, we started teaching this, we started putting our courses, coaching, and so on. Yeah. How, many students, how many students have you guys had? At the top of your head, because I don't know, I know yet that you probably don't have the exact count. Right, so, so this is a very hard question to answer. Because I can tell you how many courses we sold, right? But I also know that people who buy courses, 90% of them, don't do they it. don't do anything with it, and it becomes shelf help. Yeah. And so they just put it, they just put it up on the shelf, and, and, and it sits there. So the question is, how many students have we brought to success of the ones that actually do something? And number one, the answer is the vast majority. And number two, I would think probably that three quarters of all successful students out there in the country have been taught by us in one or the other way. Wow. So we, we, we started this, now there's other people out there too, but uh, we call ourselves the Harvard of land flipping. Most of the others, they just teach how to get like this $5,000 rule in the middle of nowhere lot for 500 bucks and sell it for $5,000 with a $500 down payment and 100 bucks per month. We have deals in the, in the works. We have a $75,000 property. Well, it's worth about 50. We got it for 75 and selling it 150. One of our coaches says take the property and split it into 10. And then instead of making 30 grand on the wholesale lead, she's making $300,000 because she has 10 lots now and she's making 30 grand on each, right? Wow. Uh, we have a student that has a deal on a contract. One of our students is, has, has, is, lives in Germany. And in the first six days of, of May right now, he's made $150,000. And right now, by the end of May, he's going to make another $300,000. So this is going to be a $450,000 profit month for him from just selling a package of lots to a builder. Right? We have people that sell, that, that take properties and do exactly that, what you said earlier, but they're just doing it themselves. Take a, a, a packet of 25 lots that they got, and they're building houses on them. So we have land developers, we have land, uh, land, land bankers, we have land flippers. We, we really take everything from the $5,000 lot to the $5 million lot. Anything from just flipping to sell financing to banking to developing. We now got all this experience in our universe. Uh, and anyone comes to us, anything they want, we, we can teach them that. Wow. Now, man, that, that's a lot. Um, and, and, you know, it's for those of you that are watching these guys, uh, you guys gotta go dig up on, on well, how can people find your website? Like, where, where can they find information about all these courses that you have? Right, you can go to, very simply, go to landprofitfund.com. Fun, like having fun, right? Okay. Not a fund with D, but without the D, like <laughs> landprofitfund.com, and, uh, and then you can find out more from there. Awesome. So also we have Facebook groups. We have a Facebook group, group uh, called Land Profit Generator, real estate investing group. We also have sometimes we do for five days, we do like, uh, um, we go live every day. You can register that under landprofitmaster.com. There's a ton of different places you wow. can come to us. Wow, so um, I, I, knew, I knew of you a year, years ago because one of my business partners 
want to learn from you and he bought your course and he was like dissecting the whole land thing cool. and he always tried to get me into it but i was like man what land what are you talking about it's a normal reaction yeah right and now we, we do land as well we, we just don't target it uh yet like like you described it uh, it's because our thing has been houses but we're doing more land uh you know as we progress in our in our in our wholesaling business uh, because he lands in our lap, pretty much. Right. Land is yeah. landing in our lap, literally. Right. Like, right. I got this thing, I don't know how to sell it. And that happens to all the land flippers. I belong to mastermind groups with large, large volume house flippers. And I tell them, guys, guys, if you come across a piece of land, just just don't ignore it. Just like there is there is probably more money in that piece of land that you're making on the house. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes it goes in and goes out, but sometimes they come back to me six months later, it's like, man, you so right I just did the biggest deal that I've ever done uh, and it was a piece of land Wow now in your opinion right or your experience if if I was brand new okay and I was gonna educate myself on, on, on how to buy and sell land and wholesale land and all that and I have to start doing marketing uh, for it to find the sellers for that what do you think is the best marketing technique to get with the sellers on that on a piece of land, so we still use direct mail. Okay. And direct mail again because, as I mentioned, there might be two thousand people in this country doing this full time right now, over three thousand counties, and in every county there's typically more land than there's houses. Now you look at you look at Maricopa County right here where we are, or look at other counties like especially the, the only exception might be the real metro areas where the, most of the counties already fill up with houses, but but most of the country is full of land, right? So there's tons of land and nobody's sending them any letters. So you don't have the situation that you have in the house flipping world that the moment somebody's this mortgage delinquent or is distressed or whatever else and, and that they get bombarded with postcards and letters and phone calls and text messages and, and door knocking and all this kind of thing. It just doesn't happen. Like there's a couple of pockets where for whatever reason, perhaps 20, 30 of our students decided to go into that one little pocket there it happens that somebody might receive a letter five, once every like two months or so, right? So, but these letters even sometimes help each other. Because you get a letter and they call back and they get a low offer and they're like, no, I don't have to accept this offer. Then they get another letter and they're like calling back and then by the third letter, like, I guess my land is not as worth, worth as much as I want as I thought, right? And then they might, they might accept the fifth one or so, or they might right. change it. So, so it actually might not even be, be negative, it might actually help you. But yeah, uh, they may go back to the first letter that they got. Was, mm, actually, that offer was actually real good. Right, if they kept it, if they didn't keep it, then yours comes in, they'll accept yours. Because now they have been warmed up to the thought of actually selling the property. You know what right? we do? What? So we said, <laughs> we connect with the seller, we make them an offer, when they don't take it, we connect with them again under a different brand, we make them another offer, which is way lower, and then we go with another one, which is way lower. And now our first offer was good. So they end up calling us back and say, yeah, let's do the deal. Boom, I love that idea. <laughs> there we go. That's, so, that's pretty that's He's pretty the one good. implemented it. So, <laughs> so that's a good cop back cop strategy, yeah. right? That, but it's that. us. We're driving those offers like back to back to back to back the same week. Right. That way we can get all these, all these, uh, all, we can get that, what we want, right? So That's beautiful, like that's beautiful. We, we just do it to follow up then. Right. So you send out one letter, one offer, might send, might sometimes send out two letters, uh, and then, uh, and then, or a follow up letter or so to, because some people lose the letter and so on. And, 
And then, uh, then you get a really nice response rate. So our typical response rate, once you've done a little bit of testing of counties, is, is in about in the, in the two, three, four percent range. Wow. Which is for house flipping. I mean, the other day, last week, I talked to a student who's getting 20% response rates. But those are typically really in the middle of nowhere, cheap three, four thousand dollar loans. Yes. Not necessarily what we recommend you do. But if, but you can make money with those too because you pick you pick those up for three hundred bucks, sell for three. You grand. do volume, right? You do volume on those, right? So we have one of our former coaches with us three hundred fifty deals a year with just that. The volume. The average, the volume. They get, he gets them on average for four hundred bucks. He sells them for an average of about five, four, five thousand dollars. He gets an average of five hundred bucks as a down payment and about a hundred, hundred fifty dollars a month. But now he has and for for like five years or so payments. But because he does three hundred fifty a year of them. He has like a thousand people paying him, paying him a hundred bucks. Yeah, but his cash flow is huge. His cash flow is a hundred thousand dollars a month. Wow. Right. Exactly. So his cash flow is a hundred thousand dollars a month. So that works too in those markets. It's just there's so many ways you can you can skin that cat. You can slice and dice land flipping. You can do the deals you talked about. You can do the million dollar deal, multi million dollar deals. You can do the bottom end deals. But typically it's about a two two one to two three four percent response rate, which is Still almost 10x with the house flippers. Do you guys use uh, cold calling or texting for, for those deals? You can just that when we teach this to our students, uh, we, we make extremely clear that, that they need to make sure they check with the attorneys, they check with the proper, uh, with the rules in their states, with the properties in it, because this is virtual, right? This, you can do this everywhere. Yeah. So if the seller happens to be in Florida, and Florida has some specific rules around that. Oh, Florida is illegal. Exactly. So, so I don't want. So we don't really teach it to our students because because of exactly that. Because I don't want to be the responsible one. Of course. You want to teach the right thing. Yeah. If the student does it, and ninety percent of them do it right, and ten percent do it wrong, and then they get caught, and then they get sued or something like that, who they're gonna turn? They're to? gonna blame. They're you. gonna say like, well, Jack told me how to do it. So. We don't really teach this. We tell, if somebody wants to do it, we just give them all the alarm flags and say, like, hey, you do whatever you want, it's your business. But here's the reasons why you need to be extremely careful for it. Because again, we have we, we are the best in the industry for what we do. We really, really care about our students and their success and we don't want them to get into trouble. Now, do you know what the response rate is on texting? It's high, obviously. It's 31%. Right. Yeah. Imagine you going from two to four percent to thirty-one percent. Absolutely, it's it's high. It's just it's that you gotta be very very careful. You gotta navigate those waters. Yes. You gotta learn how to navigate those waters. Okay. Um, awesome. So, so now that you've mastered land flipping and you've taught a lot of people um, how how to become successful doing land wholesaling and flipping. Uh, you know what's next for you? Like, what's what's your next? Well, land flipping is always going to be part of our deal. Like, we okay. sold the deal this morning, right? It's a small little deal. I think something like sold it for twenty grand, bought it for three, and it's a wholesale deal. So, okay. um, we are having a contract out for that hundred fifty thousand dollar property that we have in our contract for seventy five. That's a seventy five thousand dollar profit, and that's that's just a normal week. That's that's always going to be part of what we do. But what we've done, we like what's going to happen for those who do this. Is very typically that you're gonna have an income problem at some point of time, and uh, great problem to have, by the way, guys. So, <laughs> so in the, if there's one disadvantage to land, is that there's no depreciation on it. Got it. Right? But for house flippers, there's no depreciation either. I mean, if you if you do wholesaling, there's no depreciation either. It's the same right. thing. 
but for land, there's there's no depreciation. So you have income, and you need to pay taxes on that income. Well, I don't like paying taxes. So nobody what, does. Nobody does, right? Uncle, Uncle Sam doesn't use it. Yeah. Doesn't use it frugally anyway. So what we have done since 2009 is we have started, in parallel to teaching it, we've also started buying houses. So we started buying houses, and, but buying old houses. Right. So again, uh, we have, we've built up a small portfolio of houses over the next few years, like 35, 40 houses. And then we have transitioned, uh, at that point, we transitioned to actually buying multifamily properties. So right now we have 400 apartments, uh, another 600 we're significant passive partners in. And so it's like over a thousand units that we, that we own or co-own. And, um, and, and that provides a lot of the tax shelter that for what we, for what we make over here. Right? So as a now result, you offset. You offset, exactly right. Through those bonus depreciation things that still exist this year, and then they phase down over the next few years, but they're still decent for the next couple of years. Um, we are just, uh, we're, we're basically using land flipping as our cash machine. Your ATM, that's your ATM. Our ATM, we call it the cash machine, right. and then we roll the cash over into other asset classes that bring in cash flow for life, forever, we call it forever cash. And, um, and then it, and on top of it, not just cash flow, but also depreciation. And appreciation. And appreciation, of course. But, but uh, the immediate effect is cash flow and, and sh tax shelter for the profits we make over here. So now we can have our cake and eat it too. Awesome. Well, guys, um, you know, it's very hard to bluff from what he just explained uh, for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So um, uh, what, what is your website called again, Jack? Uh, Land Profit Fund. Land Profit Fund. Guys, make sure you go check out the website. Uh, buy his courses. They, they are legit. Like <laughs> He just uh, gave you a rundown on 4,500 deals. Thousands of students probably you know, learn how, from you how to do this. And I'm a big fan, by the way. And, and so, so is a lot of our, our friends that are around in our industry. Um, if I'm gonna pick somebody to teach me how to do land, uh, I just learned a ton from you, by the way. I was taking mental notes. Caesar was doing it too. Because guess what we're gonna be doing? We're gonna be pulling a lot of those lists that you were talking about, and we're gonna be targeting uh, specifically land. So, but guys, I'm a wholesaler. I already know how to do this thing. I wanna learn more on how to do the land. But if you're, for the first time, watching this podcast, and you wanna learn how to do land, make sure you go to his website, buy the course, do it, don't put it on the shelf, Right. take action, get involved. When you do, you do seminars as well, right? We do seminars, we're coming up one in October, we're currently only do one a year in person, but we do them of these five day uh, explaining uh, pro like events, we call them uh, masterclasses, where we, where we go live for about an hour and a half a day, and we just go step by step by step with the workbook and explain how that works. And uh, we do a whole bunch of things, we sometimes do virtual live events, and. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, you have one in June 24, 25, 26. I invited uh, Jack to come over to our event, but he has a. You have yeah, a we just moved that. We just moved that. Oh, yes, well, like, so. we're open. So. All right, so let's, let's talk about that. I have yes. one slot open. So, guys, attendgrowth.com, uh, June 24, 25, 26 in Houston, Texas. Three day event. You can come and meet guys like Jack and, you know, a lot of the other rock, uh, rock stars that are uh, coming to our event. And make sure you get tickets right now. We only have about 100 general admission left and about 15 VIPs gone. So first come, first serve. 
Man, thank you so much for having me, brother, and uh, I'm looking forward to keep uh, working with you. And guys, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Yeah.